I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. In them, or I in them, and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Kelly. We are doing something a little bit different this morning, and we are taking some time to pray in our assembly. We're also going to do some reflecting on some things before we pray. What I'd like you to do right now is I'd like you to think for yourselves about what you see as the most troubling things about our world. What are the things about our world that, that trouble you most? That you think, boy, you know, this is, this is the worst thing happening. A couple of things that are just the worst things happening in our world. Okay? And I want you to turn and share that with somebody for just a moment or two. Okay? Go. If you have a Bible, I would love for you to turn and look at John 17. Michael read a passage from John 17 a moment ago, beginning with verse 20. And this is unique because we find here Jesus himself praying. We just talked about the things that are most troublesome in our world. And if I was to say, would you like God to do something about that? I think we'd all say, yeah, we'd love for God to do something about that circumstance, whatever that is. You know, maybe you, maybe you looked at somebody and you said, you know, it's like Miss Universe. All she wants is world peace. Okay. Maybe that's what you said. Maybe you said something entirely different. But the point is, is that God has the control over the power over those things in our world. He could shape them. And Jesus himself prays that God will shape those things in our world. It's interesting. First in verse 20, he actually prays for those who will believe. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. And he's been praying for the disciples, the 12. But he says, my prayer is not just for them alone, for the 12. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So he prays for us. That all of them may be one father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Now that's interesting. He prays for our unity. He wants the church to be unified. But he has a very specific reason for hoping that the church can be unified. And that reason comes in verse 23. He says, I and them and you and me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Now that is significant. Jesus here prays for the rest of the world. And what he specifically prays for is that they will see in God's people a unity that will be transforming. That they themselves will be changed, transformed by the unity that they see in the church. Which makes me understand, obviously, that Jesus wants the world to be changed. He wants things to be different. He wants the world to know, he says, that I love them. Now you just think for a moment 
all the things that you spoke about a moment ago that were very negative. You look at our world and you say, wow, you know, the, the world has this going for it and this going for it. And these are not good things. What would happen if the entire world understood that Jesus was sent by God and that God loves them? How many lonely people would be healed from their loneliness if they understood that there was God and that he really loves them? How many people who think in very negative ways and do an awful lot of negative stuff? How many thieves? How many murderers? How many prostitutes? How many broken-hearted people would be completely transformed if God was standing in front of them saying, I am real and I love you. Nothing would stay the same. Everything would change. And this is exactly what Jesus prays for, that they will understand this truth, that God loves them. And so what I want us to do for the next couple of minutes is to echo Christ's prayer. I can't think of many things that would be more beneficial for the church than to pray as Jesus prayed. And if this is a concern for Christ, if for him this is a, a, a high priority, I would think it would be a high priority for us as well. So for the next couple of minutes, I want us to pray about this. I want us to pray about the world coming to understand that Jesus was sent by God and that he loves them. I want the world to know that God loves them. It is a transforming truth. And prayer is powerful. And if prayer is powerful, and this is a truth about which we should pray, then God can use our prayers to change things. And so we want to pray for a few moments specifically about that. Bow your head, look at the ceiling, open eyes, closed eyes, on your knees, whatever you want to do. Let's pray for a moment about the world understanding that God loves them. I'll finish our prayer in a few moments. Let's pray. so much for our world to be transformed and we believe that you can do that we believe that you can change the hearts and minds of people and transform them to be what you want them to be 
But God, we can't do that. We need you to do that. We need your presence and your power to change our world. Father, use us where we can be used to impact lives. But Father, we pray for your direct intervention and intercession into our world. Pierce the hearts of men and women for your good. Help them to see that you sent Jesus and that you love them. Help them to feel and experience your love so that they can be changed in their hearts and minds. Father, for those hurting ones out there who need so badly to hear and understand your love, minister to them, change their hearts through an understanding that you love them. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. One thing is absolutely clear from Scripture, and that is that the early church prayed. The early church prayed and God answered with the Holy Spirit. Jesus' concern for his disciples and for the world continued to live on in his disciples or in the disciples that he prayed for. It continued to live in the early church and today continues to live in us. When the church, the answer to Jesus' prayer prayed, God answered. Let's take a look in Acts chapter 1. It says, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And as a matter of fact, this wasn't a one-off occurrence. You'll probably remember. A little bit later in Acts chapter 13, there's another neat scene. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Not only did the church pray because Jesus prayed, they prayed because God answered. And God directed the church through their prayers. Kelly. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles, with the, please, to Acts uh, chapter 1. I want you to think about, for a moment, what it would be like... If all of a sudden we heard that here in Canada, three months from now, let's say, uh, let's say with the start of 2014, that legislation was going to be passed, which was going to make it so that we could no longer worship on Sunday mornings in Canada. Um, for whatever reason, they're going to pass that legislation. Things are going to drastically change for us. We probably would feel as though... Uh, well, there certainly would be a challenge to our faith, something that we would have to face, some kind of crises that we'd have to face and, and deal with. How would we respond to that crisis? And I think probably there would be lots of Christians who would begin to protest. We'd be uh, calling our local MPs and talking to them and trying to figure out what in the world is going on. It would be on the news for sure. 
Maybe we would hold a protest. Maybe we'd march downtown. We'd carry signs and say, don't take away our right to worship on Sunday morning or something like that. I don't know all the things that we would do. One thing that would sh- we surely would do and perhaps would dominate what we would do is pray. The church would get called together. We would come together in this place and we would say, Lord, bless us. Don't let this become a reality. And we would expect God to intercede. We would long for God to intercede. Well, I don't know that the circumstance here is that much different in terms of crises. Completely different circumstance in one sense, but the, the gravity of the situation, is, it's his grave. Jesus has just left. They've watched him ascend into the heavens. And even though he has said, stay in Jerusalem, I'm going to send my comforter to you, remain there. There has to be a sense in their hearts in which they're absolutely alone. They find themselves without their Lord. And while they have seen him now raised from the dead, and that would bolster them and give them encouragement, at the same time, they know that they're there by themselves. In a society that doesn't accept who they are. In a Jewish world that doesn't accept who they are. And so what does the church do when it finds itself alone? When the apostles and those who had been following Jesus find themselves alone? Well, it tells us exactly what they did in verse 14. It says they all joined together constantly in prayer. Along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. They prayed. Constantly, it says. There's no sense here of coming together on Sunday morning as some kind of ritual. They didn't wake up on Sunday morning to say, well, we start our assembly down at the church building at 11 o'clock. We better get ready. Let's go all together and we can go down and worship together. It wasn't like that at all. They were driven by by their circumstances to pray. And they gathered together and constantly did this as a group of people. It's interesting. I, I don't know what constantly means to you. But it sounds to me like the fishermen didn't go fish. It sounds to me like the tax collector stopped collecting taxes. The wives and the mothers, they didn't just carry on as usual and send the kids off to school. Instead, the church gathered together and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and constantly they prayed because they needed God to come and do something among them. And so this morning we're praying. We're not just talking about prayer. We're praying. We're not coming together just to carry out some rituals. We're praying and asking God to be with us. And for God to change the world in light of who he is and his presence. And so I want us to pray for a few moments about our place in this world. About our ministry to this world. About our role as a church. God has called us out, a gathered people, to do something in his name. And we're not just here again to perform some rituals or just be... 
We're just not here this morning because it's a a nice thing to do. We're here because we expect God to be present because he's doing something in our lives and he's doing something in the lives of our church. So we just, we want to pray and ask God to continue to work among us. So please, bow for a few moments. Again, look into the rafters if you need to. Go to your knees if you need to. Whatever it is that you need to do in order to spend some moments asking God to bless our efforts as a church as we work and minister in our world and carry out His will. We want God to bless us. Let's pray. seeking your will this morning and we believe your will is for us to have an impact in our world so father we pray that you would be with your church strengthen your church bless our efforts bless what it is that we think you want us to do and help us to do those things in impactful ways father we know that in the, in the days of the early church the people fasted and worshipped and prayed and that your spirit was sent to minister in the church. And, and you yourself set apart missionaries to go out into the world and to speak the good news of Christ because people prayed and asked for blessing and you sent your spirit to do that. And so we pray again this morning for your spirit to come and fill us and bless us. Send us out. Bless our efforts. Help us to influence those around us for the good news of Jesus. Father, we just thank you and praise you that we have this time, this privilege of asking for you to do this. We believe that you will. We just pray, God, that you'd come and and do something wonderful through us. Because we came and asked you to do so. Answer our prayer. Through Christ we pray. not pack the same musical 
or emotional punch that some of our more modern worship music does, I find the lyrics profound. I find them very thoughtful, very reflective, very deep. It's simple, repetitive music. If you don't have it by the first verse, then you certainly will by the seventh. But the lyrics are so deep. And I find that the people who wrote these hymns knew that a full and lively life on this earth could not be done without dependence on God. And so they wrote and sang these kinds of prayers. Father, hear the prayer we offer, not for ease that prayer shall be, but for strength that we may ever live our lives courageously. Be with me, Lord, I cannot live without thee. I dare not try to take one step alone. I cannot bear the loads of life unaided. I need thy strength to lean myself upon. Be our strength in hours of weakness. In our wanderings, be our guide. Through endeavor, failure, danger, Father, be thou at our side. Be with me, Lord. No other gift or blessing thou couldst bestow could with this one compare. A constant sense of thy abiding presence wherever I am to feel that thou art near. Profound lyrics that remind us we can't do this alone. We need God. We have talked about and prayed about the world this morning and the needs the world has for the good news of Jesus to be communicated to it, how things need to change and be different than they are. We've talked about the church and its own ministry and the ways in which we do need to be empowered by God, blessed by him as we go forth with the good news of Christ. We turn now, as we kind of move through our prayer time here, to focus specifically on ourselves. And it's, it's not as selfish as you might think to think about yourself. And certainly not as selfish to think about those who are right around us, who very badly need us and our prayers. I think, for example, of Jesus in the garden. Jesus in the garden prays for himself. I would like this cup to pass from me. I don't want to have to endure this, he prays. Ultimately, he says, but not my will, yours be done. And I pray that the things that are on our hearts this morning that might be self-focused in some way, that ultimately at the end of those prayers, we can say, God, do your will. It it may not be my will. I, I would like to be I'd like to have that job. I'd like to live in that place. I'd like to be healed of this disease. But at the end, God, whatever it is, I pray, Lord, that you would have your will done. And then Paul sometimes prays for those whom he knows and prays for specific things about them that they might come in a better relationship with God. And I, this is a prayer that I pray for people, and I pray this for myself. Paul says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking, and here's what Paul asks for, and he asks this for you and me. 
I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Wouldn't it be wonderful if everyone in the room today could experience that? That we could all know him better? That we would all absolutely get the incomparable measure of his love and power? That all of that would flow into our lives because, as he says, I pray a spirit would come into you that would give you this wisdom and power, a spirit of revelation that would change your minds. Oh, I I pray that that would be the case for us. That God would use his spirit in our lives to totally transform our thinking, our understanding, the sense we have of him in our lives. We talked about those things in the world that make our world not so great a place sometimes. Can you imagine if this prayer was answered in the lives of all of those hurting people in our world? What if they could understand that God loved them as we prayed earlier? And what if they could understand the depths of his love and could sense the power that he offers to us in our world? Just the power of God raising Christ from the dead. Everything would be different. If our world could have that, everything would be different if we could have it, if that was a reality for us. And so this morning, I want us to pray about that. I want us to pray that God will indeed bless us with this chance to know him better, to understand the fullness of his love, to understand the power of Christ raised from the dead in our own lives. Let's pray together and I'll I'll finish our prayer after a few moments. Father, we close our time of praying together this morning 
by asking for the presence of your spirit in our lives that we might have your wisdom that we might have revealed to us an understanding of who you are ultimately God so that we'll know you better we want our our minds and our hearts our lives to be one with yours we want you to come and live within us dwell in us God in such a way that we totally comprehend your love for the world and for us Father we want to know your power the power that raised Jesus from the dead we want to to live in light of this power and in light of this love in light of what you mean to us we want all of this Father to be part of our lives in a very direct way so we didn't just come here God this morning to just go through some standard procedure Instead, God, we came here this morning to meet you, to be put in touch with you, to know you. And I, that's my prayer for everyone here, Lord, that every person here has been able this morning to, to know you better, to be put more closely in touch with you and in line with your will in our lives. Thank you for blessing us in this way. Through Christ we pray. Amen.